Hello folks, this is your host Wade Cashin with The Retriever Podcast. Today's episode we're going to cover what does that mean? Retriever training terms and lingo. Many of you are new to the world of working retrievers. Some of you are getting into field trials, some hunt tests, some just have a new puppy and you want to maybe find a trainer or you at least want to understand the terms uh, that are used in the typical retriever training industry. So we're going to look at all of that today. This episode will be a short one. We're going to break it up into two segments. The first segment being basic training terms. And then the second segment is going to cover trial and hunt test terms. So terms you will hear at field trials and hunt tests. And then with a brief caveat to some health terms, um, if you're looking for a puppy or getting into retriever genetics. Uh, These are going to be the terms that you're going to want to be aware of. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors, On the Hunt Dog Fuel. Better ingredients for a better quality of life. See the results for yourself. Go to onthehuntdogfuel.com. Also, callback retrievers. Genetics that will get you called back to the line. One of the nation's leading breeders of competition Labrador Retrievers. Callbackretrievers.com And finally, Texas Duck Dogs. Helping retrievers do what they love. Located in North Texas, offering obedience training, gun dog training, and field trial training. TexasDuckDogs.com Follow their Instagram account at TheTexasDuckDogs or search Facebook for Texas Duck Dogs. Now let's move on to our first segment, basic training terms. So you've got a new puppy, or maybe you're considering a trainer, or you're going to go to your first hunt test, or something like that. These are basic working retriever terms that you're going to want to know and understand so that you can engage with your trainer or your dog or the local retriever club or however you're plugging in, uh, whether you're reading a book or watching a video or a DVD. These are going to be the terms that you're going to hear typically. Um, and, And these are really kind of base level terms. We're not going to get too deep into terms. We're not going to make it too broad. So what is a mark? You, you will hear your trainer say, well, we're going to throw marks today. Well, how, how does, is your dog a good marking dog? What does that mean? What does it mean that your dog is a good marking dog? What does it mean that we're going to, we're going to throw marks? Most people don't know what that term means. So a mark is when a bird is thrown or launched from a launching device, which there are numerous launching devices out there that actually launch whole ducks or even bumpers uh, from remote control on a bungee system. I tell people it's kind of like a redneck catapult, um, though it's much more sophisticated than that. Um, However, a mark is whenever a duck or an object like a bumper is launched in the air, your dog sees it, watches it fall to the ground, and marks where the bird landed. That's where we get the term mark from. The dog watched the bird fall and land, and he marked the location that the bird fell. And then you release your dog, and he runs to the area of the fall. That is where the mark landed, where the bird landed. That is running marks. Now, marks can be a single mark. That means one bird launched. 
It falls on the ground and your dog picks it up. What is a double? A double is when one bird is launched and then a second bird is launched. Your dog is standing by your side or healing by your side. He's on the mat. He watches the first bird launched and then it lands. And then he watches the second bird launched and then it lands on the ground. He marks the area of both birds. He goes, the last bird down is typically called the go bird. So if your trainer says, okay, did you send for the go bird? That means the last bird down. So he goes and he picks up the go bird, the last bird down, and then he comes back. And now he's going to do the memory bird. That was the first bird that was launched and landed in a double. So a double is when two birds are launched and land on the ground. Not simultaneously. It could be simultaneously, but that is not done at hunt tests and field trials. Um, there are some extreme retriever events where they launch numerous birds at the same time and the dogs mark as many as they can and the rest uh, are ran as blinds. So let's talk about that. What is a blind retrieve? Um, a lot of people consider a finished level dog, a finished dog, um, a completed hunting dog is a dog that can run blind retrieves. A lot of people assume that means a retrieve from a hunting blind, but that could not be farther from the truth. A blind retrieve is a retrieve that a dog is doing when he did not see a bird fall. He doesn't know where he's running, hence he's running blindly. You are guiding the dog to the bird. You as the handler owner, you know where the bird is. The dog does not know where the bird is. He is going out blindly. He's taking your direction. He doesn't know that a bird is down or he didn't see one fall to mark it. So that is the difference between a mark and a blind. A mark is a bird that the dog saw fall and marked where it landed. A blind is a bird that is down and you're going to recover that bird and you're going to use hand signals to get the dog there. So that leads into our next set of terms. What is handling? Also referred to as casting. Most people call that hand signals. So the industry terms are, can your dog handle? How is his casting? That means, can he take hand signals? Can you blow a whistle and the dog stop and he turns and he looks at you and then you cast him right back left back, left over, right over, an angle cast, and you guide the dog to the bird. Um, that is used when the dog is, you know, running a blind retrieve. He doesn't know where the bird is. You have to give him help. And so you're casting him and using your handling skills. You're handling the dog to the bird. So something else that you'll hear is a dog needs to honor. Now, if you're at a hunt test or a field trial, they may say, you know, please stand in honor or be in the honor box. Honoring is when one dog sits patiently and watches why another dog works the field. That's called honoring. A well-trained retriever will be able to sit by your side while your buddy releases his dog to go retrieve ducks. Your dog will sit there in honor and watch that dog work. And then if your friend's dog is well-trained, he'll sit in honor while now you send your dog out. So that's what honoring is. The next term we're going to look at is airing. What does it mean to air your dog? Uh, basically, this means to let your dog use the restroom. Uh, 
you let him out of the crate or out of the kennel in the back of your truck or out of the back seat, and you're going to make sure he gets plenty of opportunity to air himself, uh, stretch his legs, relieve himself, however that is. If you're at a hunt test or a field trial, this is key often to success, that your dog has plenty of time to air himself, relieve himself, stretch his legs before you go to the line and run your test or your trial. Uh, you would rather your dog do that back at the truck or the trailer before, instead of rather doing it in the field while he needs to be picking up birds. What is a walk-up bird? If you run hunt tests, you will hear about walk-ups. Those start in senior hunt tests and master hunt tests. A walk-up bird is where as you are approaching the mat, a bird is launched and a shot goes off and the bird falls. And the dog must be able to mark the bird and not break even though you're in motion and heading to the mat. Another term that you may hear from your trainer or hear at a hunt test or a field trial is a live flyer. What is a live flyer? This is when a live bird, it can be a pheasant or a duck, occasionally a pigeon, maybe in training, but a pheasant or a duck at a hunt test or a field trial is thrown into the air and there are gunners out in the field and they shoot the bird, the live flyer. The other birds at the field trial or the hunt test have already been killed and so those are the dead bird stations. So if you hear somebody say, well, station one is a dead bird station, station three is a flyer. Uh, the live flyer then is at station three and that's where they throw and release a live bird and shoot it. And one of the pre-killed birds is what's being thrown at station one. Um, so let's then talk about a land blind, a water blind, a water triple, water double, land quad. These are all things that describe various scenarios within different elements of field trials and hunt tests. Um, so a land blind, that's a blind retrieve, land, ran on the land. A water blind, that's a blind retrieve, ran in the water. And then the water triple, what is a water triple? Well, that's where there are three birds launched, uh, one on the left, one in the middle, one on the right, and there is water en route to each bird, and that makes it a water triple. And your dog should pick up those birds by memory, without any help, go out one at a time, pitch, pick up each individual bird and deliver them back to the handler. A land double, that would be two birds down on land. The bird on the left launched, the dog marks it, the bird on the right launched, the dog marks it, and then the dog picks them up one at a time and delivers them to the handler. What is a land quad? or a water quad. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's four birds launched individually. The dog marks each bird one at a time and then is sent to pick up those birds, all four of them, retrieving them from memory without help from the handler. So these are a few terms that are just general basic training terms. Our next segment is brought to you by On the Hunt Dog Fuel, better ingredients for a better quality of life. Uh, I personally feed this to my personal dogs and my competition dogs. We've been on it for about two years now. We love this dog food. There's no fillers, no GMO, no corn, no gluten, no soy, no byproduct. Um, it's high-quality ingredients, all sourced from the United States of America. 95% uh, of it is from the Red River Valley, 
and it's 100% manufactured in the great state of Texas. So if you're looking for a great dog food to feed your dog, uh, check out onthehuntdogfuel.com. You can have a your order process right there on their website and have a sack delivered to your doorstep. The price online includes the taxes and shipping, um, so there's no additional charges. Check it out, onthehuntdogfuel.com. So our next segment here is going to be terms that are really specific and only used in hunt tests and field trials. So let's start with the field trials. If you go to a field trial, they're going to say, well, which stake are you supposed to be at? What does that mean? The first time I heard that, I had no clue what they were talking about. I didn't know which stake I was supposed to be at because I didn't know what a stake was. A stake is one of the locations that one of the events is being held at. So within a given field trial, there could be a derby, which is a stake, a qual, qualifying, an open, and an am, amateur. Those are the four different levels of field trials, and any one of those could be going, and sometimes they're running simultaneously. So down the road, there may be a derby running, and eight, nine hundred yards down the road at the next drive, you drive in, and you go to the back of that pasture, and that's where they're running the open. And so if somebody says, which stake are you supposed to be that? That's what they mean. Which event are you supposed to be at? Are you supposed to be at the derby or at the open, at the qualifying or at the amateur? When you go to a hunt test, you're going to find the same thing. They're going to say, well, are you in Master A or Master B or Master C? Those are all varying stakes that are running at that hunt test. Or maybe you're in the junior flight, or maybe you're in the senior uh, test and and you need to be at the senior test or the junior test or master a flight or master b flight or master c flight all of those are stakes that are being ran usually simultaneously at the hunt test Um, and so that's what a stake is when you go to a hunt test or a field trial now when you first arrive at the hunt test or the field trial you need to identify who's the marshal of that stake so let's say you're supposed to be running the qual, and you followed the signs, and the arrow says qual this way, and you turned right, and there was another sign that said qual this way, and you follow, and there's a whole bunch of trucks parked in a pasture, and trailers, and there's some pop-up tents, and you see all the people. As you go up, there's going to be a person that is going to identify themselves as the marshal. Um, they're not wearing a name tag. Usually, it's the tailgate of a truck folded down with a white dry erase board on it and somebody there with a chair and you go check in with the marshal. So the marshal is where you can find the running order. What is the actual official running order that day? There will be one published online. They don't always get to follow that exact running order at the hunt tests or the field trials um, because some handlers have numerous dogs and they can't be in two places at once. So a lot of times they will break the traditional running order so that this handler can be over here and this handler can be here at this stake and everybody can run dogs smoothly. But to find that out, you have to be able to know who the marshal is. So find the person with a clipboard and they're going to have the the program that's got all the dogs listed in it. It's going to have the running order listed in it, and you're going to go into the marshal, and you're going to say, I need to check in my dogs. I'm so-and-so, and I've got dogs number 35 and 51, and I need to check them in. 
The marshal will say, okay, I'll get you on the board. And then you wait until your time to run your dog. And the marshal is the key to being able to know when to run your dog and in what order. Um, so about the running order, like I said, it can vary. Um, it is randomized through um, whatever uh, hosting site that's doing the entries. I know for the AKC field trials that I run, they use Entry Express, so you'll have to check out that website. If you're looking for upcoming events in your area and you want to see where events are held uh, across the nation, you can go to EntryExpress.net. You can create a free account there, and then you can search retriever events and all breeds of dogs, really. Um, they register events through Entry Express, so you can check that out and find out when there's going to be an event in your area. But once all the entries for that field trial or that hunt test are submitted, then they randomize the running order and then which dog they start with. Uh, there's a rule for the AKC field trials that they use the Dow Jones method. And so the, the Dow closing the day before the trial, you take the last two numbers and depending on what those numbers are, um, you will determine who runs first that day um, at that uh, field trial in that running order. So uh, that's a lot of information. It'll make a lot more sense to you when you go to your first hunt test or your first field trial and you get there and you find the marshal and you figure out the running order and what number your dog is and then go have fun. So you something else you'll hear and something you'll see. One thing you'll hear is guns up or a gunner station. What does that mean? A gunner station is where there is a person out in the field that's throwing a bird. At a hunt test, a gunner station is behind a holding blind. At a field trial, a gunner station is a guy in a white jacket, and he's got um, either a boom cannon or some kind of shotgun simulator so that he can produce a loud pop in the field. Um, oftentimes, they're using 12 gauge single shot shotguns with popper shells loaded into them a lot of modern clubs are using um, frequently referred to as boom cannons thunder equipment makes these and they make a boom gun and it's a shotgun simulator that makes a loud bang out in the field and the gunner station is where the guy in the white jacket is going to have his birds and his boom cannon and he's going to stand up and throw the birds for the dog and so there may uh, in a typical field trial, in a qual or an amateur or an open, there's typically going to be three gunner stations out in the field. Now, sometimes these gunner stations will go and hide once they've thrown their bird, and so that changes things, and that's called a retired gun. So if you are training for field trials and you hear, hear the term retired gun, what is that? That's when that gunner station, he throws and launches his bird, and then once the dog is released, he goes and hides behind a bush or a tree or he uses a ghillie blanket or a suit of some kind and he hides himself and now he's no longer standing there in a white jacket and the dog has to be able to remember the bird from memory. So that's a gunner station and a retired gun. And so you will hear the judges call for guns up um, at AKC field trials and hunt tests and UKC hunt tests. Guns up is a signal to whoever's working out in the field, the, the field assistants, to get ready this dog is coming to the line, and that means guns stand up, get ready, it's time to throw. So you'll hear that term a lot, guns up. You'll hear dog to the line. That's telling the dog that's 
in the holding blind right behind the, the judge's station. When they say dog to the line, that means take your dog and come to the mat at your time to run and enter judgment. And a holding blind, what is a holding blind? These are used out in the field sometimes to hide or conceal gunner stations. They're used approaching the mat, and they're basically a piece of camo material on two or three um, poles of some kind that you can, um, a lot of times it's rebar, sometimes it's um, electrical conduit, metal electrical conduit that has feet to it, and, and these um, camo uh, cloth is sewn to that in a fashion that you can stand it up, and basically it's a partition, and there's two or three panels, and you and your dog are on one side, and then the field and the competition is happening on the other side. This is for the purpose of blocking the dog and hiding the dog's vision so that they can't see the, the test before it's their time to go to the mat or to the line and actually run their field trial or their hunt test. So these are a few of the phrases that are specific to field trials and hunt tests, and hopefully this is going to help you prepare when you run your first one. Finally, I want to close with a few health-related terms. Anybody that is serious about good, hard-working Labrador Retrievers are going to take health clearances and health testing seriously. So a few things you need to know. You need to know about OFA. What is the OFA? Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. Also, pin-hip. That is another testing method. Um, and the Orthopedic Foundation for Animals and pin-hip, uh, they offer ratings on... Um, hip dysplasia and elbow dysplasia and just the way the the bones have grown and formed and fashioned together how much laxity there is in the joint how tight the joints fit how well they work and have grown together so if you have a labrador that is over two years of age you can go through the ofa and orthopedic foundation for animals you can go to your local vet clinic some local vets are not very knowledgeable about it i encourage you to do your research find a vet that is knowledgeable and comfortable with hip and elbow scans and they will take the x-rays and a lot of those well-seasoned vets will be able to tell you right there on the spot uh, looks like you have a problem here or these hips look really great and once you submit them to the orthopedic foundation for animals there will be vets on staff that look at those x-rays and they give you a rating certified by the OFA and now, if you ever thought about breeding your dog, um, you would want to know, are the hips good? Are the elbows good? Breeders that breed without doing this basic level of hip and elbow testing are irresponsible breeders. They're not taking the genetics of a dog very seriously because if they were, they would want to ensure that they were not going to pass poor genetics on to puppies that could then have a life of discomfort and lameness and and pass that on to then owners that would have to deal with that um, and the dogs wouldn't be able to live a full and healthy healthy life often so take your genetics seriously take your health clearances seriously the next thing i'm going to talk about is eic exercise induce collapse is your dog a carrier a carrier of eic do they have the genetic marker that says they carry eic now there's three classifications for EIC. The other one that I'm going to talk about in a minute is CNM, and they have the same three classifications. Your dog can be clear, he can be a carrier, or he can be affected. A clear dog is a dog that 
is clear, just that. They, they don't have it, they're not affected by the z- disease, and they don't carry the disease. Now then, there are some dogs that fall in the carrier category. They carry the disease, but they're not affected by it. But by being a carrier of the disease, they can pass it on to their offspring. And then there's the third category, the affected dogs. Dogs affected by EIC exercise-induced collapse can literally exercise and overexert themselves and fall over and collapse and, and not have uh, the ability or strength to stand up. And uh, it looks like they have horrible stamina and you probably think your dog is going to die at that moment. Um, usually they don't. However, it is detrimental for a hardworking Labrador to run being affected. It can limit their abilities in the field. However, there have been some national champions in the National Retriever Championship that have won over the years, and they have been EIC affected. Very few of those dogs, but it is possible. But do your genetic testing. See if your dog is a carrier. If he is a carrier... Don't breed your dog to another carrier or to an affected dog because then you're going to produce puppies that are affected. If your dog is clear, you can breed to a carrier and the puppies will either be carriers or clear, but none will be affected. So know your genetics and know what you're doing. The final thing is centronuclear myopathy, referred to as CNM, centronuclear myopathy. Um, This is a degeneration of the muscular development in the rear end of the dog. Um, Just the backside of the dog gets narrow and skinny and they have no strength. Um, It's pretty horrible. You can Google it and watch videos of dogs with CNM. It's tragic. So if you're a breeder or if you just have a working lab or if you are going to buy a puppy, do your research. Know that you're getting health clearances on the dam and the sire. You're buying puppies from stock that have EIC, CNM testing, OFA, or pin hip testing, and have good hips, good elbows, and good eyes. So I hope this is helpful. This is just an introduction into working retriever terms. We may end up recording this podcast again later on with an updated list of terms. If you have special terms or things that you want us to identify, define, talk about. We're happy to dedicate some time on an episode or a complete episode to it. Um, We would be happy to hear your feedback. Just send us a message. Find a way to get through to us. We would love to hear your feedback and what you want to hear in these podcasts. I hope this helps. I hope this makes you a better dog handler, a better trainer, and more knowledgeable about working retrievers. Happy training and see you in the field.